Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. I'm Liz Wheeler. But I'm not in the Liz Wheeler Show studio. I'm not in my regular studio, which you can plainly see if you're watching this. I am in the great, the fabulous free state of Florida for election day today because I'm going to go to DeSantis's election day bash tonight. He's throwing a party for his obvious victory that he that's going to happen here in Florida today. We'll talk about that party, well, after it happens. It hasn't happened yet. So what is there to say about it? I'll tell you about that tomorrow on the show. But what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about predictions. It's election day. This is one of the most exciting days of the year, kind of one of the most exciting days every two years, every four years. What's going to happen? Is there going to be a red wave? If so, how big of a red wave is it going to be? Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? We're going to talk about it all because if you don't make predictions, then you are no fun. That's what I have to say. But more important than predictions, we are going to talk about the five particular races that I'm most interested in watching and why I'm most interested in watching what they say about the state of American politics. So that's what we're going to break down today. Also, also, I'm very excited to announce that I um, and I am airing an election day special exclusively on the first TV. It will air tonight at 8 p.m. It's not a breakdown of the results. Uh, the results will not be in yet, but what we're going to discuss in this election day special is what comes next. If Republicans win back the House, if they win back a majority in the Senate, therefore controlling Congress, what can they do when there's a Democrat in the White House? And what is their mandate from the American people, from their voters? So that is airing tonight. You can find out how to watch that. You can go to thefirsttv.com. That's the word, thefirsttv.com. That airs at 8 p.m. tonight. But uh, let's get down to it. Let's start with our predictions and then start with the most important, the five most important races of the day. All right, guys, if you want your skin to look years younger, then Genicel skincare is the way to go. Awesome products. That, my friends, is a testimonial from April who lives in Rockport, Illinois. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's that easy to look years younger with Genucel skincare. You can celebrate the holidays early with Genucel's most popular package. I got a great deal for you. Are you ready for this? 70% off at Genucel.com. If you go visit that website now, 70% off. How can you beat that? Treat yourself to the only skincare products that you will ever need. Finally, Genucel is so confident that you will love your look that they that every Genucel order has a 120 money back guarantee a 120 day money back guarantee for a limited time. Every most popular package includes Genucel's hyaluronic acid correcting serum for free. So not only do you get an incredible discount, you also get free products. This this is a great Christmas gift to yourself early. Genucel has delighted happy customers for years by treating tens of millions of everyday skin problems like wrinkles, dark spots, dry skin, sagging jawline, facial redness, and even those annoying bags and puffiness under your eyes for men and women alike. And with its immediate effects product, 
Genucel guarantees results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. You can order at genucel.com slash Liz. Your most popular package includes a complimentary gift set plus free express shipping. That's genucel.com slash Liz. Genucel.com slash Liz. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. So first, let's start with predictions because we have to make predictions, right? It's election day. Who's going to win? I strongly believe that Republicans are going to take back the House and the Senate. And here's why I say this. I'm not saying this because it's advantageous to say this at the beginning of an election day, because if you predict your party's going to lose, then you won't get as good a voter turnout. It's nothing like that. It's no strategy. It's simply history that informs what I'm saying here. History shows that when the president is a Democrat or a Republican, when, when a president of a certain party holds the White House, the first midterm election of that incumbent president's term, the party in Congress that shares the president's party typically loses almost two dozen seats. So history shows it. What makes Joe Biden the exception to history? I don't think anything. If anything, it's going to be worse. I think Republicans are going to take back the House. And the Senate, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, the Senate's a toss-up. Who knows what's going to happen? I think Republicans are going to take back the Senate. I don't think it's going to be by a wide margin. I don't think it's going to be, obviously, a filibuster-proof majority. We're going to have to wait until 2024 for that depending on how Republicans act after they take back the majority. But I think we're going to see a Republican majority. That being said, what I want to do today is I want to talk about which races are most exciting to me, which ones I have been following along this entire election season, which ones I think are indicative of the state of politics and the state of the electorate in our country. And the first one, the first race that I'm intensely interested in is Stacey Abrams versus Governor Kemp in Georgia. Why? Why is this race so interesting? A couple reasons. First of all, Stacey Abrams is a bad politician, but moreover, Stacey Abrams is a bad person. She She's like bananas crazy. This woman thinks that a heartbeat of an unborn child isn't a heartbeat. She called it a pulse, an electrical pulse. She's She's grotesque. She thinks, she she refused to concede the election in 2018. She actually thinks that there's suppression, voter suppression happening just because what, a Republican is running in Georgia? Stacey Abrams is, is, is not just isolated in her terribleness. Abrams is what the left wants the future of their party to be. And so the reason why I, I'm so interested in this race is not only because I don't want the woman who sat in front of a bunch of children wearing masks while she was not wearing a mask and then used, had the audacity to post that picture on social media to try to make it seem like she related to the kids. She was an advocate for the schools. It's not that I just don't want her in in the governor's mansion, which I don't. It's also because there's an enormous disconnect between the elitists who are the elected representatives in the Democratic Party and the voters. There are issues that the Democratic voters support that the Democratic politicians oppose, like school choice is a good example of that, or late-term abortion. Those are, those are issues that the 
Democrat politicians are actually at odds with their odds with their own constituency. And this is coming to a head in the Democratic Party. Stacey Abrams is a good example of it because I don't know if Democratic voters actually want her. She she lost already to Brian Kemp, but I'm interested in 2018, I should say, but I'm interested to see is that going to happen again? And if it is, I don't think the Democratic Party will learn their lesson per se, because it's not that they're trying to be smart politicians, it's that they're trying to impose Marxism on us. They're trying to subvert our country from within. They're trying to destroy our, our government and our, our citizenry. But it will be interesting to see if the American people have maybe not been, maybe even the Democratic voters have not been conditioned enough to accept such a radical candidate. So Stacey Abrams versus Brian Kemp. And just to be fun about the predictions, I think Kemp is going to win. I think Stacey Abrams is going to lose. Stacey Abrams wants to be president. She wants to be the next leader of the Democratic Party. She wants to be the next Barack Obama. I think she's going to lose. The next race that I'm really interested in watching how it plays out is Fetterman versus Oz in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Senate race. This one is so interesting because for two reasons, I think. First of all, and we talked about this in a previous episode, so I I don't want to go into this too deeply now because I don't want to repeat myself, but this is the new strategy of the radical left. They take a candidate that's mentally compromised. Their case study was Joe Biden. And then they, they present this mentally compromised candidate as being a moderate, even though he may not be. But because he's mentally compromised, even though he may have a history of being a quote-unquote more moderate Democrat like Biden was, although I would contest that point, but for the sake of this argument, we'll let that go. Because they, he's presented as a more moderate candidate, or because he's mentally compromised after he's been presented as a more moderate candidate, the radical left just, just moves him with puppet strings, right? To, to achieve very radically leftist agenda items. But if Biden was the case study, Fetterman is the next iteration of this. He's the evolution of this strategy. I think we're going to see this strategy more often, especially given how Democrats in the mainstream media, Democrats in elected positions in Congress, Democrat, even a lot of Democrat activists were trying to defend Fetterman in, in some of the most absurd ways possible, saying, oh, you just hate, if you're against Fetterman, you hate people with disabilities. You shouldn't care about the fact that he's mentally compromised. It's just like someone wearing glasses. Like what? These kind of bananas arguments that honestly, I don't think even Democrats in Pennsylvania bought into. So that's an interesting race for, that's reason number one, it's an interesting race because this is the second iteration of the Biden case study of the Democrats using a mentally compromised person, pretending they're moderate and then controlling them to essentially push Marxist agenda items. But the second reason that this race is so interesting to me is because the core of the Democratic Party's quote unquote, green strategy. And this is this, this green strategy is, is on which everything climate change related hinges. It's off-putting to Republicans. Republicans hate it. They know it's a fraud. They know it's based on faulty science. They know that putting the science aside, even what politicians are proposing have nothing to do with science or with the temperature of the surface of the earth, such as what does Medicare for all have to do with it? What does socialism have to do with it? Democrats are, or Republicans are not the only ones turned off by this. Democrats are as well, specifically Democrats in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a, a coal state. Pennsylvania is a fossil fuel state. Pennsylvania relies on energy production as part of their economy. 
And it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat in Pennsylvania, you're aware of this. And so what makes this interesting is that Fetterman is an existential threat to the livelihood of anyone who works in the energy industry in Pennsylvania. But it's clearer because it's not as though this is a strong Democrat candidate versus a strong Republican candidate. Oz is not a very strong Republican candidate. He's, he's worth voting for, certainly. Cast your vote for Dr. Oz. Send him to the Senate. He is a vital part of the necessary strategy, the necessary bulwark in the Senate against Schumer's radical leftist plans. We need Republicans no matter what. But he's not a strong Republican candidate, right? He's not based on some of the cultural issues. He's, he's, a, he's, he's not based on some of the cultural issues. We'll just put it like that. We don't need to go into, into all the details. So if you're voting for Oz in Pennsylvania, you're probably voting against Fetterman. And if you're voting against Fetterman, it's probably because you see the Democrats controlling a mentally compromised person and because of the Democrats' green energy politi politics and policies that are so destructive to you. It's a referendum on that. And I think that's really interesting because we predicted a long time ago that this climate change agenda would end up hurting the working class, the middle class the most, that it would be the energy bills of regular everyday Americans that would skyrocket. And even if that happened to the elitists, they wouldn't care because they have plenty of money. This is the reality of what's happening in Pennsylvania. People, people understand their own interests. It really comes down to that. People understand their own interests. We have self-preservation baked into, baked into us and it's reality in the state of Pennsylvania. So I'm really interested to see the Fetterman-Oz thing. Also, I didn't think it was that controversial for Oprah Winfrey to go out and say that she supports Fetterman. In fact, I almost like don't blame her. I think Oprah Winfrey is a big fraud, by the way. I don't think that she's wise. I don't think that she's that I don't think she's wise. I don't think that her advice is good advice. I, I think she's basically an absurd, uh, absurd person. Like, sure, very impressive that she that she built this empire. Um, first black billionaire woman. Okay, that's that's not really a commentary on her character. And I'm more interested in a commentary on her character. Here's the thing. People were saying, oh, well, that's so crazy that she didn't endorse Dr. Oz. She's the one that made Oz Oz. She's the one that gave him a show. And the answer to that is, yeah, she gave him a show because he's entertaining and he's talented and he, he, he was able to produce programming that was good for her and her brand and her channel. But Oprah Winfrey is a radical leftist. So why would she endorse someone who was in the opposing party to, the, to, to her own politics? I actually, I actually said, uh, I said to a friend today, I wouldn't, if, if, if one of my sisters went out and decided that she was a radical leftist who supported abortion and then ran for Senate, I wouldn't endorse her just because she was my sister. I'd actively, I'd actively work against her because she's standing for things that are evil. Now, fortunately, that's not a reality because all my sisters are common sense conservatives, but you understand my point. In this case, principles are more important than simply like a friendship or a pre-existing work um, relationship. So I didn't think the Oprah Winfrey thing was significant at all. It also doesn't interest me about the Fetterman-Oz race, but I do find that race to be very, very interesting. Okay, what's next? We're going to talk about the third race that I find most interesting in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you about Cozy Earth. Let me ask you a question. How did you sleep last night? If you answered that question, eh, not so great or just okay, or please don't ask me. Well, you're not alone. One out of every three Americans reports being sleep deprived and the sheets on your bed could be part of the problem. That's why I like Cozy Earth Sheets. Cozy Earth Sheets 
are the softest, most luxurious temperature, best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like, it feels like sleeping on a cloud, which makes sense because cozy earth sheets are made from bamboo, which means that they breathe. So none of that, uh, none of that trapping body heat, leaving you sweaty one minute, cold the next. Uh, we don't want any of that around here. No, cozy earth, uh, even offers a 100 night sleep trial. So you can try it. You can sleep on it. You can wash it. You can, you can love it. If you don't completely love it, you can send it back. But I have cozy earth sheets on my bed at home right now. So I can tell you they're pretty great. I think you'll like them. I love them. And I got a good deal for you. You can now save 35% on Cozy Earth Bamboo Bedding, 35%. Just go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You have to hurry because this offer does end soon. CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Okay, so Abrams versus Kemp. Fetterman versus Oz. Then we have Blake Masters versus Mark Kelly in the Arizona Senate race. And I want to start by saying there's this prevailing notion in, it's not, it's actually not exclusive to Republicans. It's an inter-party notion that even if you feel that your candidate is not doing well in the polls leading up to an election, you don't say so. You don't say so because it reduces fundraising. People don't donate to a candidate that they don't think can win. They don't donate unless they believe the candidate in a sense already has one. And it reduces voter turnout. So nobody, if you're a Republican, you don't say a negative thing about a Republican candidate ahead of time. You're a Democrat, you don't say a negative thing about that. The opposing parties do that all the time. Democrats will claim that a Republican is already lost based on polling and vice versa. And so I wanted to address that because I don't care about the prevailing notion. And I, I want to analyze this race, why I find this race so interesting. And part of it does include the fact that of all of the races we're going to discuss tonight, I'm the least confident that Blake Masters will win. In fact, I suspect that he won't win. It's not because I don't like Blake Masters. I think he's done a good job. I think he's a good candidate. I think he's a cool dude. It's not because he hasn't run a good campaign. I think he's done a great job actually challenging an incumbent Democrat senator, especially one who rose to that position or who who, who achieved, achieved the vote the way that Mark Kelly did, or achieved his position, I should say, not the vote, the way that Mark Kelly did. But the reason that if Blake Masters doesn't win in Arizona today, it's, going, it's, it's Mitch McConnell's fault. Because Arizona, as a state, this, this is actually, this race is actually a lesson in electioneering. Because in Arizona, 50% of the vote is early voting. And vote outcome is highly dependent on fundraising. It might sound crude. It might sound kind of bold. Like, don't people have passion about their own principles? But the person who spends the most money on advertising typically wins. Not always, but in these sorts of races, they typically win. And when 50% of voters vote early, then fundraising early and spending early matter. But what happened to Blake Masters? Well, early on, Mitch McConnell pulled an incredible amount of money out of the Arizona Senate race. $8 million, gone. He had, he had, he had pledged that to Blake Masters, and then he, he went back on his word, and he didn't spend that on Blake Masters. And so what, what will happen? What happened? Well, we don't know the totals. We don't know the tallies from the early vote. 
But even if Blake Masters has the momentum now, because now, now there, there is a lot of money. There is a lot of fundraising. There is a lot of excitement about his campaign. But before, he didn't have the same money as his opponent. So even if he wins in a landslide on election day, which he probably will, he probably will actually win on election day, can he overcome the deficit of the Democrat outspending him during the season of early voting? I don't know the answer to that. I suspect not. The Democrats knew this. And who else knew this? Mitch McConnell knew this. Mitch McConnell knew exactly what he was doing when he pulled that money out of Blake Masters. Now, I hope I'm wrong on this. I hope that Blake Masters easily overcomes that deficit. I hope that the deficit wasn't as significant as I think it was. I hope the money wasn't as one-to-one with voters as it oftentimes is. I hope that this analysis is incorrect. But this exact scenario has happened before. In fact, Jesse Kelly did an entire thread about this scenario happening to him when he ran for Congress in Texas. And this happened to him. He didn't get early funding. He lost early voting. He won in a landslide on election day, but the deficit was too large and he couldn't overcome he couldn't overcome the number of votes that he had lost during early voting because he didn't have the money. There's no way in the world that Mitch McConnell didn't understand what he was doing. And so I'm interested in watching the Blake Masters, Mark Kelly race to see this play out, to see if this is the reality of the thing. It will be very clear to us the role that McConnell plays in our party and where his priorities lie if this turns out the way that I fear it might turn out. So the fourth race that I have my eye on that I find very interesting is Carrie Lake versus Katie Hobbs. This is a really interesting race for a couple of reasons. First of all, it'll be great for border security if a Republican wins <laughs> wins the governorship down there. But really, it comes down to the question of do people care about election integrity? Do people in a state like Arizona where there was shenanigans during the 2020 presidential election. Do people care about fixing that? Do they care about whether that happens again? Carrie Lake has been an unabashed advocate for election integrity, something that sets her apart from other Republican candidates. And I say this in a positive way because a lot of Republican candidates and Republican elected officials are worried about the attacks from the left, from the mainstream media and from rhinos, maybe like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and those folks, if they say anything about what happened in 2020. And Carrie Lake has just shrugged her shoulders and said, come at me. Do, say what you will, do your best. I'm gonna speak the truth. And then her opponent, Katie Hobbs, refuses to debate her, refused to go head to head. And this I find so, this is, this is actually a new thing that Democrats are trying where they decline to debate. And I find this to be the epitome of insulting to voters because remember, voters are the employers. We hire politicians to work for us, to represent us. And what do you do if you're hiring an employee? You conduct an interview. Well, a politician can't sit down for a one-on-one interview and be grilled by every single potential voter. So instead we have debates. We have debates where moderators on behalf of constituents interview the candidates. But imagine being so conceited, 
so dismissive, so arrogant, so out of touch and elitist that you refuse to go to an interview and yet demand the job. That's what Katie Hobbs is doing in Arizona. This, that election is about, I, I actually don't have a prediction on who's going to win there. I hope it's Carrie Lake. I think that it'll be remarkable to see what a truly red governor will do to a state like Arizona. But that's the one that I could see. I, I don't know how that one will turn out. I don't have a good prediction on that. So Abrams versus Kemp, Fetterman versus Oz, Blake Masters versus Mark Kelly, Carrie Lake versus Katie Hobbs. My fifth race that I have my eye on, that I'm most interested in, we're going to talk about right after we talk about Nutrafol. I like Nutrafol because it's both natural and it works. We all know that half of the people watching my show right now are balding men. That's okay. There's no shame in that. You know who you are. But there is a holistic solution for you, for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. You know what I mean when I say without compromise. A lot of these hair growth supplements reduce your sex drive. Not so with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is created of 21 potent natural ingredients that actually support sex drive, support better sleep, and less stress too. In a clinical study, I'm a numbers gal, I like these numbers, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. So the good news is you can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show. Win-win by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Liz. If you do, then I got you a good deal. $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer. It's only available to US customers for a limited time. Plus you'll get free shipping on every order. $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Liz. Nutrafol.com, promo code Liz. So the fifth race that I find most interesting today is J.D. Vance versus Tim Ryan, the Ohio Senate race. And the reason for this, I think J.D. Vance is going to win this, by the way. But the reason I find this so interesting is because this race embodies the new right versus the new left more than any other. I feel like a lot of times you'll have a new leftist like AOC come in and topple like an old leftist or an, 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 old, an old right winger. Or you'll have someone on the new right come in and topple an old leftist. But you, we haven't seen a really good federal matchup between the new right and the new left. And let me give a brief definition of what I believe the new right and the new left are. So the new right understands, the new right is based. The new right, and I know that term probably requires definition too, so maybe I've just dug, my, dug myself into a deeper hole here. But the new right is repudiating this John Lockean libertarian idea of liberty and embracing instead an Edmund Burkean idea of ordered liberty, which harnesses the authority that the federal government has or that a state government has in order to properly order society. Um, uh, properly order meaning along a moral order. So there is, an, there, is, there is an essential element to ordered liberty that requires one to acknowledge a creator because what is order unless defined by the person that created the world? And so this, this new right understands that sovereignty of, uh, the sovereignty of our nation is important. The new right understands that libertarianism is impractical. It might sound utopian, but it's impractical. And that Edmund Burke was actually correct. And that the framers of our constitution actually framed our constitution after Edmund Burkean philosophy. 
the new left is not just establishment Democrats, you know, like the Bill Clinton style Democrats. The new left are are socialists. And I, I know one of the arguments against him, Ryan, is that he's been around in Washington for 20 years. And that's true, he has, and he hasn't accomplished anything. All of those things are true. And you should vote against him. <laughs> but he has embraced the policies and the principles of the new left. That is abortion on demand up until the moment of birth. That is calling all Republicans, half the country, terrorists and extremists and um, wanting socialism and socialized health care and putting climate change on this altar and wanting to restructure our government and embracing embracing Marxism, critical race theory and trans and all this nasty stuff. J.D. Vance versus Tim Ryan is one. Is I, I'm just very interested in that. Yes, my home state of Ohio, I'm obviously interested in for, for you know, feeling's sake, personal feeling's sake, loyalty's sake, if you will, but also because we haven't seen a good new right versus new left race. And this is a good example of that. So those are the five races that I'm the most interested in. Here are some of the races that didn't quite make the cut. I'm interested in them all, but you know, the show is called The Five Races, so you got to pick five. Here are three that I that are honorable mention. Honorable mention are Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker. That is the Senate race in the state of Georgia. I think Walker's going to win this, and I think he's going to win it pretty handily because voters understand that it's not an individual character content contest. It's not, is Walker a better man or is Warnock a better man? Walker, by the way, would still win that. But he notwithstanding, regardless. That's not what it is. It's not an individual character contest. People understand that Herschel Walker is a bulwark against what Schumer wants to do in the Senate, the radical leftist agenda. Voters in Georgia understand that. They see that Raphael Warnock is just a pawn of the radical left. They don't want that. So I think Walker's going to win. I think he's going to win pretty handily. And I'm interested, I'm interested in seeing how it plays out because I'm interested in, in whether the Democrats' narrative to swing voters that Herschel Walker is a bad person and you shouldn't vote for bad people, whether that resonates or whether voters see through that and see that their interests, whether it's crime, whether it's inflation, whether it's COVID tyranny, that that is what's on the line in the Senate at the federal level. So another honorable mention is Hochul versus... Lee Zeldin for the governor, the governorship of New York. This is such an interesting one, actually. This one I had a hard time deciding whether it should be honorable mention or make um, or make the top five because what Zeldin has done in New York is he made the entire the entire topic of the race about crime. Do you feel safe as a New Yorker in your home? Do you feel safe or do you not feel safe? The answer to that is no. The real question is. Does crime and do the COVID tyranny, does the COVID tyranny um, from blue state governors, does it bother blue state voters? I I find this to be so interesting. I also think this goes back to my, my beef with all the conservatives, including myself, so a little hypocritical, who left California claiming that it's not, it's not a place that you can live anymore because it's so leftist. And I say, hey, but if we surrender these states to the left, then who's going to rescue them? Are we just gonna write off that part of our country? Hotel versus Zeldin, regardless of how this turns out, is a lesson that it is worth challenging blue politicians in blue states, even if you're a Republican, that you just have to do it right. Even if Lee Zeldin doesn't win here, we now know how to win. It just has to be done repeatedly. He was such an underdog, it was such a long shot. 
I will maybe be the most excited of any victory if Zeldin wins here, but that one is honorable mention. And of course, the um, last but not least is DeSantis versus Charlie Crist for governor of Florida. Part of this, I know, big LOL. Obviously, DeSantis is gonna win in a landslide here. But the reason that I actually am interested in seeing this race and how it turns out is because I'm interested in the margin of victory. I'm interested in the number of voters because the reason DeSantis or the strategy DeSantis used in 2018 was school choice, right? He ran against Andrew Gillum and he appealed to African-American or Black mothers who had their children in charter school programs. Andrew Gillum claimed that charter schools were a siphon on the public school system. DeSantis really was a hard charger for school choice, for educational freedom. And he ended up winning because 30,000 Democrat moms, Black women who were Democrat voters, voted for the Republican because they, because DeSantis, as the Republican, promised them to, to protect what they wanted for their family and their children, the school choice programs. I'm interested, four years later, after DeSantis has been roundly criticized and continuously vilified, unfairly, of course, by the mainstream media and the left, if that's changed people's minds. I'm interested in what the COVID policies, now that we understand that the left was so wrong, whether the COVID policies impact people's votes. I'm interested in how he's been able to build this coalition in Florida. So he also makes my honorable mention. So that's my that's my list. My five races that I'm obsessed with clicking refresh on the election results all day today. I'm interested in what it says about the politics of the American public, what they care about the most. So um, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. It's kind of a nail-biter day for me. I just wanted to hurry up and get to election results tonight. But thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. I look forward to dissecting all of the election results with you first thing tomorrow morning. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.